The four A's is dedicated to supporting agencies and creative companies through leadership and community for our industry. We're passionate supporters of the work small agencies do across America and the role of the Small Agency Planner Parlay in helping strategists get fueled on creativity, commerce, and culture, all moving strategy and the industry forward. For more information on the many benefits of being a 4A's member, try aaaa.org to find out how our industry authority can be there for you. And now, the Planner Parlay. Welcome to Planner Parlay, a show where we come together under a flag of truce to talk about small agency planning. This week, our guests unwrap the layers of diversity in strategy. They lay out the steps to a mentorship mentality, how to get things down to a human level, and the best way to avoid pitfalls along the way. Join Molly Rosen, Executive Vice President of Member Engagement and Development, and Alicia Page, Manager of the MAPE Fellowship from the 4As in New York, New York. And of course, John Roberts, CSO of Truth Collective in Rochester, New York, as they teach us how to attract and keep diverse talent and what it means for small agencies. Pull up a chair and listen in. So today I'm thrilled to be joined by Molly Rosen and Alicia Page. Thank you for coming on. How about we um, have both of you give us the one-minute explanation of your role in the 4As and one wish you have for 2020? If I think about what my role at the 4As is, uh, think about the equivalent in an agency as being the head of client services. So really I'm here to make sure that our members are being well taken care of, that we are bringing resources um, that are meeting the needs that they have and that those are changing to meet the ever-changing needs that our members have, um, helping them to stay connected, providing guidance, and looking uh, constantly at how we can evolve and improve not only the member experience, but also what kind of value we can bring to our members as well. Excellent, Molly. So if you had one wish for 2020? My wish for 2020 is that all members are uh, so engaged with us that we are just overrun with member requests and and need. Nothing would make us happier than to know that um, our members are utilizing us to the fullest to advance their businesses uh, on behalf of their people and on behalf of their clients. Excellent. And this pod's going to help start that flow. How about you, Alicia? Uh, So my name is Alicia Page, and I manage the MAPE Fellowship under the 4A's Foundation. So I look at my role as uh, basically facing two audiences. Number one, uh, we're here to recruit students, diverse students, into the advertising industry and connect really bright people with really great opportunities. And then on the other side of the coin, we are also agency-facing. So our job is not only to provide really capable candidates to the agencies, but to make sure that the agencies are safe, inclusive places for our diverse students to land. Um, And my wish for 2020 um, is to really see an increase in genuine and deep commitment to diversity and inclusion beyond the surface level. Just mentioning that, so MAPE stands for the Multicultural Advertising Internship Program, which has been in place for going on uh, over 46 years, 47 years now. So it's one of the best programs of its kind, delivering fantastic talent to the industry, which we consistently hear is one of the biggest needs that it has. Excellent. Perfect segue in, because today's really picking up on one of those things that we know from all of the work we've done in other parlays and discussions at Stratfest, what matters to strategists about how do we find and nurture talent? So let me ask you both, do you feel that the talent challenge has changed in the last couple of years? 
I mean, I think it's just worth continuing to see um, an intensification of competition for great talent. You know, back when, you know, the many, many moons ago that I got into the business, you had a lot of people trying to come in because we were the cool industry. You know, there wasn't a lot of other interesting areas where you could bring a creative bent to a professional organization. Nowadays, we're competing with obviously the Googles, the you know Facebooks, Amazons, etc., the startups of the world. There's so many agencies out there, and also from a client side perspective. So I think there's a lot more challenge out there uh, in competition for getting great talent and attracting them to our industry, which is a key focus for for us at the forays. Hmm. And Alicia, when you think about MAPES, and uh, as Molly was saying, it's been in existence for nearly 50 years, do you see that the challenge, particularly when you think about uh, multicultural and diversity, has that changed over the last couple of years? And if so, how? Yeah, I would say um, that there are a couple of ways in which the challenge has changed. Number one, I look at education as an opportunity, but also as a gatekeeper for who's able to get into industries. So whenever I think about the advertising industry and I think about the way that the diversity challenge is posed, I see that long before a student ever makes it to college, they've already experienced a lot of adversity and diversity barriers that may prevent them from being able to move on to go to college, to graduate, and to enter into the advertising field in which a bachelor's is often considered a minimum qualification. So I think that ensuring that education is accessible and consistent and that there are strong support systems has become even more critical over the course of the last 40 years, especially with the sharply rising cost of higher education. In addition to that, I would also say that the layers of diversity have become a lot more clear. Now I think about diversity less as a a problem of just racial uh, discrimination, but there are layers. This is an intersectional problem. So now whenever we think about diversity, we don't just think about race. We think about sexual orientation. We think about faith. We think about gender and other types of discrimination that people might experience whenever they're entering into the workforce. So our diversity and inclusion strategies have had to get a little bit broader and a little bit deeper to ensure that every person has equitable access to opportunity. Excellent. And thinking that through and carrying on that thought, Alicia, when we think about, you know, the notion of, the notion of our podcast of thinking about how can strategists, how can we get better at what we do? What have you found up some entry level discussions for strategists in particular? That's a really great question. You know, it's funny because talking to MAPERS who are focusing in strategy and trying to get into that field, one of the most frequent bits of feedback that I get is that they feel like there aren't any entry-level opportunities. They feel like whenever they put in an application, they get kind of a chuckle and a nod and a comeback in a few years when you've got some seasoning uh, under your belt. So I would say whenever uh, you're a professional who's already in strategy and you're thinking about ways to help entry-level talent, that mentor and helping them find ways to just get their foot in the door could be a really huge way to make an impact on the diversity within the field. It's a, it's a really big problem, right? Because when we also think about fundamentally the role of strategy is how, how can you represent the voice of customer? And if we're not representative of the customers themselves, it always means that there's a this notion of implicit bias or just a lack of understanding. So how have you found, Alicia, the four A's, how can you help small agencies with that entry-level gateway. Can you? Definitely. So I would say that the 4A's Foundation is uniquely positioned to support small agencies whenever they're seeking out diverse talent because we have contacts with universities across the United States, including over 100 
historically black colleges and universities and minority serving institutions. So we're already actively recruiting, screening, and interviewing candidates that are generally prepared to start working in an agency within six months of completing their fellowship. So we've got the talent and many of them are picking strategy as their first or second discipline and they are hungry for jobs, they are excited, they have a lot of great experience under their belt before they even arrive at the agency application stage. But the real key is just making sure that whenever the resume comes through, they're seen, they're taken seriously, and that there aren't other factors that hold them back. Um, I mean, I know that we're all pretty aware of some of the most frequently discussed biases. For instance, whenever a person reviews a resume, studies have shown that if the name sounds like it might be a person of a different ethnicity, then the person who's reading it is less likely to pass it forward for an interview. So just having awareness of those kind of biases in the way that they exist and being proactive about bringing candidates in who are at the entry level to be interviewed and to just get a shot um, is a really great way that I think that we can, the MAKE team can support small agencies and agencies can also support us in making sure our talent moves on and gets in the industry and stays in. One other thing i just throw in there, John, just knowing a lot of the conversation we have with the strategy committee at the forays, which you well know, is because of the challenge of juniorification of talent and some of the challenges of, as Alicia was saying, people wanting folks who already have experience, um, the MAPE program obviously gives them a lot of that experience, they're well trained, and the internships obviously give them some uh, real life experience, but there's also, strategy in particular is a focus area for our professional and organizational development folks, so we have a lot of great training that can help to accelerate the growth of those people so that they go from maybe being entry level to a much more seasoned uh, young person within an organization at a much uh, quicker rate so that they can operate at a higher level for their team. Yes, yeah, a really good point, Molly. I think, you know, from the conversations I've had with, with both of you, you know, from just from our perspective as a small agency, some of the barriers, quite frankly, of, of how do we both find and nurture talent and also think about being more um, diverse and representative of the true population, the multicultural aspect and others, the other layers, as you were talking about, Alicia, is we picked up the phone. We, you know, we literally or shoot, shot you both an email and say, hey, we want we have intention and we need some guidance on what to do so people can start that simply right absolutely yeah i mean we are we're a phone call an email a smoke signal carrier pigeon away whatever whatever your preferred method of communication is and if we don't have the answer we're absolutely willing to reach out to other people that we work with who may be able to add some support so what what would you say apart from not reaching out what would be the biggest um barriers you've encountered from small agencies? Uh, I think the main part is oftentimes the relationship is held at the very senior level and it's not well deployed throughout the organization so that people who are doing the day-to-day the -day work are aware that they are members um, and even if they are that they're aware of the amount of resource that's here, um, the fact that anybody in the organization can reach out to us. I mean, I certainly experienced that when I was still agency side of not really understanding what was there, much less that it was available to me as as an assistant AE coming up to being a global you know, account director or whatever. At every level, um, everybody within the organization has access and, um, and you know, we're going to be excited that you called and reached out for whatever we can help you with. Yeah. And Molly, that reminds me of an earlier podcast. We had a conversation with Yusuf Chuku and, and Beth Egan, and we were talking about the distinction between finding talent and nurturing talent. 
definitely. I mean, and those are two really big things. And I think that's another thing going back to the, I mean, A, we can help with the finding, but knowing that, you know, particularly the generation coming up now, you know, they want to be invested and they want to know that there are resources and tools that are going to help them to accelerate their careers, that they have a career path. And those are all things that we can help with from job descriptions to um, career development to training to just giving them the tools to do their job better or to be smarter and to have an edge over you know, somebody else that they might be working with. You know, we can help to provide a lot of those things in addition to just you know, best practices around incentives for uh, employees, you know, oftentimes non-monetary incentives. So, you know, I think the thing that I always find interesting having come to the forays now is just whatever the problem is, there's probably a hundred different ways we can skin that cat to get you help and different ways that we can approach it. So a lot of holistic, I think, solutions to what oftentimes feel like challenges that you alone maybe are facing within your agency when in fact you're not alone by any means. On the earlier podcast, on the other podcast we did with Yusuf and Beth, we, we had a long conversation about, you know, there's the recent walk study that showed that strategists in particular are, um, many of them are looking to leave agency life, going consultancy bound or client side. When you think of junior talent, the start there, okay, so fresh coming in to the industry, what choice are they making? If it's not into the creative industry that we have, where else are they going? So we see, number one, students heading into the tech industry, your Googles, your Facebooks, your Spotify's, and we get mixed reports on what that's about. Sometimes it's about burnout culture that exists in advertising, and maybe there's not enough work-life balance available there. Oftentimes, especially for that early-level talent, it can be about salaries and the offer levels that they're receiving and having to make the best financial decisions for themselves. I think what oftentimes is interesting, though, is we do sometimes see this big boomerang effect where they go expecting to have a culture and work environment that is equally creative to the one that they have just left, not recognizing that um, despite what the product might be from some of those companies, they're essentially engineering and tech companies, which is not necessarily the same thing as a creative company. Um, and so we do see a lot coming back because the thing that got them jazzed about our industry in the first place is not something that's necessarily celebrated in those organizations but it certainly is a is a, a serious challenge um, that we have and you know there's a lot of stuff that agencies need to rethink particularly as it comes to compensation to be competitive yeah and Alicia you, you were talking earlier about you know some of the challenges of uh, the expectation of a, of a bachelor's or an honors degree as an entry level part of the conversations we've had in the past is about finding particularly again thinking with my my focus on strategists or planners Finding people from unconventional skill sets or backgrounds. Uh, Beth Egan, for example, looks from Syracuse, from Newhouse. She loves looking for musicians because of the talent and the mindset they have. Any other tips or thoughts for agency planners if we're thinking about talent? Absolutely. So the Forays Foundation also supports uh, two high schools that are advertising specific uh, campuses where the students starting at their freshman year of high school are already taking classes in advertising and strategy and marketing, all sorts of stuff. And one of them actually also offers a companion associate's degree before the student graduates. So I think that there are a lot of positions that are available that currently list a requirement of a bachelor's degree where if we're being completely honest, you could bring in a person with a high school diploma 
diploma or with an associate's and provide them with the context for operating in an advertising agency and maybe even a little bit of the hard skills and continue to develop that talent in-house using learning and development resources that are available either at the agency or through the 4As as an alternative because again that degree can be a huge gatekeeper and I understand the value of an education. I was fortunate enough to get one myself but I also know on the other end how many opportunities I had to turn down just based on how much I had to pay back in student loans. I couldn't make it work. So I think that there are ways that we can start thinking about education and apprenticeship that could open up opportunities for a lot more people especially from diverse backgrounds. It's a great way. I love uh, what you were just saying there, Alicia, about starting to, to think differently about what employment actually means, not just in terms of the recruit, but what how we structure and offer that. We've recently, as Alicia, you helped counsel us on a truth when we started creating our own uh, local scholars fund of using city schools connected to RIT because we have a fantastic establishment here. And the intention was, how do we build more than just funding the student, but can we provide mentorship, so actual real-life human contact and counsel all the way through? Are there any other tips, Alicia and Molly, when you think of, um, again, us, us small agency planners, what we can be doing more, whether it's within the four A's or, quite frankly, just starting to think about local contacts? I personally, uh, I'm a first generation high school and college graduate, so whenever I think about the opportunities that could have been available if I had just been aware, um, it absolutely blows my mind. So I think that if you're a small advertising agency and you're out in a region where maybe you have a little bit difficult, a a little bit bigger challenge recruiting talent, especially diverse talent, uh, one of the first things that you can do is kind of take a grassroots approach. Start looking at the high schools and colleges that are in the arena, frankly, just like you guys just did in um, reaching out to a local university to establish some type of a program. And I would say it doesn't necessarily have to be about financial resources because at the end of the day, if you can connect a student um, and let that student know, hey, we believe in you and we see your value and you could actually be really successful and very happy if you entered into this industry, that can change the entire path that they pursue for the rest of their career. And you could make the difference between a student who graduates from high school and feels lost and feel like they don't have an opportunity and turn that person into a student who graduates from high school and feels like they have a purpose and a calling and a safe place to land whenever they wrap up whatever their next steps are. It's a, I'm, I'm chuckling, Alicia. It's a really good point because I think some of the things, quite frankly, that inhibited us in, you know, in our early start would be we felt like we needed to have a perfectly structured plan. And at, we were counseled a couple of times by people who are way smarter than us saying, you know what? No one actually knows how our business works, <laughs> right? My father, bless him, doesn't, but nor does a 16-year-old or a 14-year-old. They don't actually know what we do. And so just coming to share some of that is a really easy way just to talk about what we love about our business, right? Definitely. You know, I think so many times, you know, going, you know, so I speak to a number of business schools on, you know, every semester to talk about marketing communications as a path. And I think it's always interesting to me, regardless of whether or not they actually have like an advertising or, you know, a communications uh, school, there's always uh, 10 kids who come up afterwards they've realized that 
they've identified with what happens at an agency. Like they make that classic connection of like, oh my gosh, I have a creative side that I thought I couldn't nurture while still being in a professional environment. And suddenly they hear about, you know, advertising and marketing communications and agency life as, a, as an opportunity. And you can just see that light bulb go off in their head of like, I don't have to give up one passion for another. And so I think the more we get our people out there talking to, you know, to the schools, helping them to paint the picture of what this industry can be, and also helping them to really understand, like, it's not the Mad Men days in terms of what the roles are. I mean, we need folks who have medical degrees. We need folks with data, you know, uh, analytics backgrounds, um, creative technologists. I mean, the, the number of roles that are in agencies these days versus where they've been, and so many of these people are going for a degree and they have no idea in the information, you know, and technology area of the campus that this is a, that we are a career path for them. So the more we can kind of um, help to break down the silos that exist within um, educational institutions and show that the advertising can be a place for them, I think the better off um, the whole industry will be. So let's talk about, as we think about the notion of, of planners we understand that we're always struck by we need to find and nurture talent can we talk a little bit more about the role of of leadership because one of the things that's come through loud and clear and many of the planners i talk to is there's a big difference between being a planner and being a planner or strategist that manages other strategists so what have you guys seen that uh, can help us all listening in of how can we can become better leaders no i think it's 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 hard to say, and it's interesting. Our business is one of the few where we've got a number of very important disciplines where the value in the work that you do has nothing to do with mentoring, managing, leading people. It's all about it's a creative department, strategy. And then suddenly you hit a level where suddenly you're supposed to not be in the work, but you're supposed to be guiding the work, and you're supposed to be mentoring and leading others and setting broader visions for how things can be done. And that's a pretty big transition. Um, you know, it's an area that we're looking to do some training in, to be honest. Uh, it was focusing on the creative, but it probably could also have some implications for other disciplines like strategy where that leap is required. And um, I think the other thing is you see a lot of folks, you know, talking on our, on the committee, John, I'll reference again, in terms of reverse mentorship programs, in terms of reading groups. Uh, part of it is also just changing the style and understanding of how, um, you know, so many folks that are in those senior leadership positions are quote unquote classically trained planners and yet now there's so many different flavors of planning, there's so many different ways of approaching it. It's been interesting to see how the leaders are trying to cope with that and integrate you know, what's best about the way they're working with what they've known to be the the, um, the discipline all along. And I think you know we talked at one point about having a conversation around Great, thank you so much. That was helpful. Here's what you don't understand <laughs> to the to the senior folks about how the more junior folks coming into the industry uh, are approaching planning and finding useful. So, I think you know part of it is really goes back to a lot of things we've talked about around mentorship, about providing leadership and understanding and helping people to, you know, in some ways the planners are in the best position to do it. Uh, if you think about folks who understand people, understand their motivations, understand what's going to drive them, what are going to be obstacles and barriers for adoption, I mean, the, that's the planning job. So I think if they can apply the skills that they bring forward on their client's business every day, apply that to the people that they have, I think they'll find that they're actually quite naturally suited for the task. Great point. 
you know, and thinking of past conversations where we all know that uh, the world of strategy is changing dramatically, because, partly because of the world that we live in, but also in terms of how we need to have different types of people delivering on strategy. Um, I loved, uh, I think, BBH talk about in terms of um, casting, casting the right strategist for the client assignment. So let me ask about clients. How much do they care? When we think about building a, uh, a richer, more multicultural and diverse field of planners and strategists, how much do you feel that clients actually overtly care? I think that clients, uh, those who maybe not be as focused right now, are going to be forced to care as Generation Z becomes more of an active consumer and participant in the economy because this entire generation is all about social impact and they won't accept anything less. So I've read some LinkedIn articles here and there about clients walking because a team of uh, homogenous people came in to pitch a product that was supposed to reach an audience that looked completely different than them. We're going to see that continuing to become the norm. And that's why agencies need to be smart and savvy now and ensure that the team that they're employing is reflective of the population that they're serving. It's, it's a great point, Alicia, when we think about, you know, fundamentally, it feels like the role of strategy is to find a way to connect our brand to culture in a manner that makes the brand relevant. And yet, if we don't really understand that culture or are not reflective of it ourselves, it, it, that's a tough ask. It's a tougher task. It doesn't mean that we can't, but it's much, much harder to get to or tough to get to. And we all know from many, you know, highly publicized examples, when you don't have the population at the table to, um, you know, to comment or, uh, or even if they're at the table but not empowered or given enough support where they feel like they can have a voice, that's when disastrous missteps happen with brands that, you know, in today's social media age, the littlest thing can be amplified before you've even blinked. So the risk to brands, I think, has never been greater. And therefore, to Alicia's point, the need and the desire by brands to make sure that they've got appropriately reflective teams working on their business is going to be all the more important. And we're seeing that in pitches in terms of the requirements that clients are making um, of teams to to show that diversity of thought um, and representation. So you're seeing that coming through now in terms of instructions or expectations within a pitch itself? Sure. There's been a number of examples that I'm, of course, blanking on right now. I believe General Mills had one when uh, Michael uh, Fanuel was uh, the head of creative there. Um, I think he was one of the first to, to mandate that as uh, part of the pitch process, and we've certainly seen others follow suit. And anecdotally, we've also seen examples where clients have looked for agencies to have the diversity that they themselves lack. So it, it's playing out in a, in a number of different ways. but. Whatever the motivations, I think the reality is it needs to happen and we'll only all do better when that becomes more of a reality. For sure. And again, it keeps coming back in my mind to, you know, this is a pod for strategists, by strategists, and everything you're talking about, about a richer, more diverse talent base, it fundamentally has got to make the role of strategy better, right, in terms of having the people within. So... When I think about, I talked earlier about some of the mistakes, you know, that we've made in the past, certainly about, you know, wanting to be, feel as though we had a 100% right answer. What are other mistakes you feel that you've experienced from agencies that we, we need to not make or need to get across, overcome? I'll say a couple of things and they'll be a little bit broad. I think one is what you stated, which is feeling like you have to have it perfect versus just feeling like you need to get started and taking baby steps. I think the other, and a part of the why people feel like they need to get 
imperfect is because they also oftentimes feel a need to go from zero to 60. So it's taking those baby steps and learning along the way. So I think, you know, one of my one of the things I think and applies to probably everything that's happening in our industry is, you know, calibrate, 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 iterate, 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 and try it again. That's just going to be the nature of the beast moving forward. I would say what comes to mind for me is putting the onus on diverse candidates to be the diversity in the room and to create the strategy and to fix the problems. I recognize that there are people in the advertising industry who didn't necessarily, um, you know, major in in diversity or in inclusion or in HR, but I think that we all have a responsibility to acknowledge the strain that it creates whenever you hire diverse talent without preparing the environment accordingly. And then those people have to deal with microaggressions every single day. And on top of that, often teams will look to them to kind of course correct or to let their uppers know or to let the people around them know when offense has been made. I think that that's something that every industry, not just advertising, definitely needs to work on. It's a really, really interesting literature because I think about this as, as sometimes we're inhibited by a fear of not wanting to make a mistake or not wanting to offend someone, so we actually don't do anything. So how do we, how do we get started? How do we improve on where we are today? That's going to vary depending on where the agency is at. I think the first step in creating a meaningful strategy is always finding out where you stand. So if you're at a smaller agency and you know that one of your biggest challenges is that your staff is not diverse at all, go ahead and set your target, set your goal, and identify when you're going to accomplish that by. But in the meantime, as you're doing the searching, the hiring, the recruiting, have those conversations internally about, okay, um, this is what discrimination looks like in the modern workforce. This is how um, overt or subvert racism can occur in a certain context. This is what you do whenever you, as a person with privilege, observe someone experiencing a microaggression. And these are healthy ways that we can facilitate these conversations without anyone feeling like they're overstepping, but also without anyone feeling like they're not stepping up at all. And they can always reach out to you as well right when they tend to help them the council on those conversations yeah and you know the forays has actually put together a really phenomenal program called the we see program and it stands for workplace enlightenment certification and this is actually uh, generally targeted for c-suite level leaders but um, can also be accessible to other people who are in the group and this is specifically to help agencies that are saying okay we recognize maybe we have a diversity problem or uh, you know we want to just be more proactive and do better in this arena um, so that they can get access to additional um, resources for putting together a really great plan and making sure they follow through on it and then the last thing I would add on to that is obviously, you know, the MATE program exists to deliver trained, selected, scrutinized, and uh, insanely talented, diverse talent directly to our member agencies, organizations, and then to help with some of the challenges that Alicia was talking about in terms of creating a supportive, nurturing environment. A, we've got the training, but we also in the past few years have launched the MAPE alumni um, association and we do a summit for that for those uh, alumni every year because oftentimes despite the best of intentions within agencies the level of support that they need um, just isn't there and that's why we see the trend is oftentimes maybe it's not so hard to find diverse talent but it's hard to keep it after that five-year level and so the summit is a way in which they can come together for both the support as well as the career development opportunities and 
um, community that they need to feel like they've got the support, even if it's not happening day-to-day uh, -day within their agency experiences. So a number of programs to kind of help agencies, regardless of what level um, and where they are on their journey, getting to more diverse, um, diverse uh, employees, as well as creating more um, safe and supportive and equitable environments for them to thrive in. So we're coming up to a final question, I think, guys. This has been really helpful reminder for me, okay, as we, I'm personally, you know, myself, my company are knee deep in figuring out solutions and um, we've come a long way of that clumsy learning I'll talk about, I, I talked about earlier, of feeling we had to be perfect, realizing we weren't inhibited us to begin with. When you think about the future in 2020 for small agencies. Molly, you talked earlier about your wish for uh, agencies to become more involved, members to get more involved with the four A's. And Alicia, you, you talked about eloquently about having a genuine and deep uh, relationship uh, and understanding about the role of diversity and how it helps nurture our talent. Have you any last closing tips or words of encouragement for people listening in? Absolutely. Um, I think at the end of the day, whenever Whenever we think about this problem of diversity and inclusion in the industry, it can feel big and daunting and overwhelming, and it can feel like something that an individual can't possibly make an impact on because it's such a large system. Um, okay. I think that the healthiest way to make a positive impact is to just bring it down to a personal level and recognize that every candidate that you're interviewing, every person on your team, every client that you're working with, every single one of us are just humans. So. Whenever we interact with people, it can sound like such a simple notion, but treat every single person like a human in the way that you would want to be treated. Connect with them on a meaningful level. Um, kind of try to shelf the fear of saying or doing something wrong, but just be conscious and intentional in your communication and in your behavior, and you'll find that it's really easy to attract and to retain diverse talent whenever you start treating people like humans consistently. Thanks, Alicia. How about you, Molly? So taking a much broader view, um, just in terms of how the forays overall can help our smaller agency members, you know, I think in many ways um, a lot of our resources are ideally suited for them from the standpoint of we can really act as an agency accelerator in a few different ways. One, we bring together the collective best practices and knowledge of our industry, and so whereas many times agencies feel like they're alone in the problems that they're facing, if they reach out to us they can find out not only are they not alone, but we can share with them the successes and what has worked so they can kind of skip the pitfalls or at least make them aware of whether some of the challenges are so that as they think about what's right for them they can try and avoid those. Other aspects of it include um, the fact that we have subject matter experts um, across all the different disciplines within agencies and therefore you need the point of view of a CFO, you need somebody who's got an expert in agency operations, HR, etc. We can act as a part of your team. And I think the agencies that get the most out of us think that we are a member of their team and a resource across any type of question that they have. In other cases, we're almost like an extra set of hands from a research standpoint. Our secondary research specialists can save agencies days, weeks, in fact, if you think about just getting smart on a category for a new business pitch and then obviously you know it's hard to build a learning and development program within an agency and fund that if you're having to shoulder the entire cost. Forays helps you to distribute that cost, you can get it for cheaper through us and you don't have to 
think about shouldering that whole cost versus sharing that with other agencies. And so the list goes on and on from you know T's and C's and all just the basics and MSAs. But I think the key thing is you don't have to go it alone. And you can find community and you can find um, the scale and the best practices of working with um, the forays and more importantly the broader forays member community. Great summation. I think it's a pretty much a great great way to wrap up. Uh, Alicia and Molly, it's been really good getting your perspective on things that really matter to us just about how do we how do we create better, richer, more diverse talent and why it matters. Um, and I love what you guys were talking about earlier about fundamentally that's got to be connected in the agency life through strategists in particular. And I'm biased as a strategist myself, but thinking about our role is to find a way to get create fresh perspectives. That's why it matters when I think about the role of talent moving forward. We heard about how the four A's can help not just nurture talent, train, but also particularly what Alicia was talking about, about actually finding resources for us, particularly thinking about the multicultural and, and diverse aspect. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, Alicia. Anyone listening in, there's going to be contact details attached to this pod, so how you can reach out to either of them to help you and your agency uh, get better in 2020 and beyond. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank so you. much for having us. This was fun.